Can you imagine what would have happened? <laughs> I would literally end up in jail. Hi, I'm Terry Siakis, and welcome to Season 2 of Success, the podcast, presented by MYOB. The superannuation shortfall is a hot topic in Australia, with some reports telling us that over 60% of Australians are worried they won't have enough super. And of those that do have super, it's estimated that women retire with roughly half the amount of super that men do. Dr. Carla Harris coupled her expertise in research and analytics with her experience in workplace gender equality to address this superannuation gap. She created Longevity App, which helps people save a little extra for retirement every time they spend. Carla, you're a fintech startup founder and CEO who's created an app that aims to close the superannuation gap for women and we'll explore the genius of what you've created <laughs> in just a moment. But first, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you did before you had that amazing idea? I would describe myself as a very driven, determined person, uh, which is has come in very handy the last 18 months. Before I actually started up Longevity App, I had uh, a slightly varied, interesting career. I started off my career as a scientist and I actually was, I was an environmental scientist. I have a PhD in invasive plants. Uh, I spent a lot of time counting seeds and doing, cutting down trees and doing all sorts of crazy wow. stuff. And then I realized as a young ac academic that that wasn't a long-term career for me in terms of making me happy. Yep. So I had to do a bit of soul searching and figure out what it was about my career that I liked and what I didn't like and take the bits that I did like and apply them into a completely different space and a different career. Um, I found out what I liked was um, I love data and statistics, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is really nerdy. <laughs> I also liked working with people when I quite liked uh, publicly presenting and public speaking and that kind of thing. So I wanted to use those skills. I realized I hated field work. I was sick of getting bogged and standing on snakes <laughs> and getting stuck in a lab for hours on end, counting seeds with like no windows. Yeah. And I realized I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Yep. Threw those bits out, took up my love for statistics and data and went and found a job at the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, heading up their, their research and analytics division. So they are a, a government regulator. They um, collect data from organizations about 10,000 organisations across Australia wow. who report to them every year on all of their gender data. So that might be, you know, their, their gender pay gaps and, um, you know, remuneration between women and men and working arrangements and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I came in and set, helped set up that system and collect the data and generate the insights from them and then present them out, out to the world. And you never got bogged there. Didn't get bogged. No snakes. Got to, no. Well, no, there were some snakes. But um, look, no, it was a great job and I loved yep. it. And I learned a lot about things, including the super gap, yep. the retirement system, superannuation in, in general. Uh, and, and that's what I did for the last four or five years before I went and set up longevity. Okay. What prompted the career change from science and then academia to entrepreneurship, making that, that leap after you were doing mm. that? 
uh, well, after I was I was working at the at Wajia, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, and I was on maternity leave, so um, second time around, and I just finished up my MBA where we had started looking at this problem of um, the very final subject they gave you at my um, in my MBA degree was to go work with a big corporate partner on a, a problem that they were experiencing and they were trying to solve. And we worked with this corporate firm around solving the the retirement gap and whether that people not being prepared for retirement in general. Yep. And so we did talk about these kinds of concepts around what can we do to help people. And that that really started getting me thinking about it. And then I kind of merged that with my professional understanding of the retirement system, how it doesn't work for women, how women retire with half the amount of super as men, and that we do actually have this big problem in our society as a result. And then that kind of collided with my um, personal experience of being on maternity leave and seeing what happens to your bank balance and your super and all that stuff just completely flatlining. It's scary, isn't it? And and having all those things coming together at once, it was almost like a no-brainer. Like, I've got this idea, I've got this opportunity, I've got some some time on my hands, I say in, in inverted commas because I was on maternity leave and you've got like no time on your hands, but for whatever reason, yeah. you're like oh, yeah, <laughs> really mind, crazy brain things you do. Still, still churning, isn't it? Yeah. And, and just decided, well, while I've got this time and leave from my paid job, why don't I just see what can become of it? And um, when my second son was three months old, I applied for this She Starts Accelerator thinking, oh, I'm not going to get in, but why the hell, what else am I going to do while he's having a nap? <laughs> Hit the submit form and then got the call saying, you're in the top 20, you've got yeah. to come to boot camp. And I said, I can't possibly come. <laughs> I've got a three-month-old. Yeah. And so how did you do it? They said, bring him along. How wonderful. So I did. Good on you. Yeah. So that brings us to that other baby of yours, yes. so to speak, Longevity App. Can yes. you tell us what is Longevity App? How does it work? What does it do? Absolutely. So Longevity App is an app, funnily yeah. enough, that is solving the problem of us not having enough money to retire on. And it does that by boosting your super automatically through your everyday spending. And so it might be something like going to the shops and spending a hundred bucks on groceries, and then it will automatically take 1% extra or a dollar in that case and stick it into your super fund. It can go into any super fund, so it doesn't matter what super fund you're with. We're not setting up our own super fund. We just support everybody else's. And that happens automatically every time you spend. So you do that over your working life and add a dollar here and 20 cents there and whatever it will be. And it's the wonders of compounding and compounding interest that will actually work over time, boost your super. You haven't felt it. So you haven't had to change your lifestyle. No. Dip into your savings and whatever to to, um, to boost your super. So So it's it's a top up. up It's a top up. And it just does its own thing. And that's exactly what we call them, top ups. Yep. Exactly. And is it just for women or is it for everybody? No, it's not. It's not just for women. It's for everybody because the reality is that both men and women tend to face a shortfall in their retirement savings. Sure. But women in particular are are, are deeply impacted by it. I read um, just recently in the course of researching for today, and I would never do this, I read um, an article about Marilyn Waring, the New New Zealand feminist uh, economist and right. she termed that gap the motherhood penalty mm. and I thought it was such an emotive because as you say the, pe- the the gap exists for a lot of people 
but for women in particular, in particular, it's motherhood that really, yeah, you know, puts a spanner in the works. Yeah, and I thought it's interesting what your app is doing because it's very hard to change the societal reasons mm-hmm. that we have this mm. motherhood penalty, mm. so mm. to speak. But it's very useful to mm. have something that helps mm. address it. Yeah, and so there's there's the motherhood penalty is a big one, and there's a really interesting graph um, to digress a little bit. But there's a really cool graph called it's called Nappy Valley, and it's it's women's workforce <laughs> participation, like <laughs> yeah, women's workforce participation in in, yeah. in the economy, and on one axis and age across the bottom axis. And you right. see women in their 20s working, 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 working. They get to 30, and workforce participation for women just goes. <laughs> Right. Into a big valley. Yep. And then it kind of recovers. It's much, it was much more prominent in the 1970s and 80s. It's sort of flattened out now. So clearly we're doing things in our workforce to allow women to keep participating over time. Sure. Um, but you did see this big drop in employment in women yep. when they get into their 30s when they have their kids. So yep. motherhood penalty is a big part of it. But the bigger, bigger part probably, arguably, is around, um, the fact that women and men work in very different jobs. So you can say jobs like, um, you know, CEO, yeah. uh, surgeon, yeah. you know, all those kinds of things, very highly paid male dominated jobs. But you say occupations like teacher, nurse, carers, yep, female dominated, not very highly paid. Yeah. Mm, and interesting coincidence. Yes. Isn't it? <laughs> and you, you see that the impact that those kinds of earnings yeah. and difference that earnings have over your working life. And that's a big contributor to the super gap. Sure. But why are we working in such different jobs? Well, we have these really very entrenched stereotypes. You know, you give girls dolls, you give boys trucks. Yep. From day one, yeah. you get these very entrenched stereotypes in our society. And we need to start addressing them and working on that. Yep. That is going to take a long time. And I think Longevity App is a, is a way in, while we're working on those problems and we have to work on those mm. problems in our society, it's a tool to get started and it's a tool to help bridge that sure. gap while we're working on the big um, structural issues in our, in our cultural system. So once you had this amazing idea, how did you actually start your startup? We started it um, naively, as nearly every startup should start. I think uh, we thought, well, let's just let's just set up a company. The original company actually isn't called Longevity, uh, but the, the app was always called Longevity. So we set up a company, just a couple of us, and we said, well, we can put in half a day a week here and half a day a week there. And I said, I can put in a little bit more time because I'm on maternity leave. Just to interrupt you, who's we? We. So it's you and who else? Uh, so me and my my co-founders. So okay. Martin Jenkins is my co-founder, who's the CTO. So he writes all the code and does all that cool stuff. Um, and we just said, well, we'll just do it bit by bit. And I'll do, I can put in a little bit more effort because I've got, I'm not working full time. Uh, and, and we just started plotting away. And so the best, but it was, I mean, it's like going so slowly because when you're, when you're spending a tiny amount of time on it, it's just, it would take forever. Uh, so then I think going in through the She Starts program, where you actually forced me to take that leap, at least extend my, um, leave without pay from my, my, regular job and just dedicate myself to this full time mm-hmm. uh, to actually 
get that momentum. And I think if I hadn't done that, like, I don't know where we'd be. But we'd, yeah. we'd probably have walked away by now because we'd have realised that it was just going to take way too long, yeah. cost way too much money. We didn't have the, the support that we probably, and advice that we would have you know, needed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started it slowly and surely, and okay. I'm glad that I didn't continue that way because I wouldn't be here now. And did you have a very clear vision at that at that early stage of what it what it was, how it was going to work, and what you wanted it to do? Was it was mm. it formed already at mm-hmm. that stage in your mind? It was, but that was um, what. It, it was formed very quickly in my mind. Sure. We spent a lot of time in the first two months doing very, very thorough, extensive research. So we actually started talking with people who had retired or who were about to retire okay. and talked to them about the problems that they face in retirement and, and about finance and money and financial security and all that stuff. And one of the common things that we found amongst those that were finding, feeling that they were uh, financially secure, they nearly all of them had stuck extra money into their superannuation. Okay. So we knew that that was something that we could try to solve, try to, trying to get more people sticking more money into their super earlier on in their working life. So that was something we found out quite early on in the piece. And then we, I think the very first prototype that we actually built, not literally built, but is in just drew it out conceptually and yep. tested that with people was, it was more like a credit card. And instead of getting frequent flyer points, you got super points, but it was that concept of how do you get something from nothing and yep. make and turn that into extra super boosting type products. Yep. Uh, so we tested that think that was quite apparent that I don't think that's legal to do. Right. <laughs> and then change to <laughs> think about changing the law. Yeah, or... just then lobby the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then, but we went from there and we, we just built and tested and built and tested. And it's really, there's so much technology out there these days where you can, um, you know, build little wireframe apps to show people that almost look and feel like an app. Hell, ours was a, a PowerPoint presentation, yeah, but right. a very cleverly done one where you could actually push buttons and hit next and it would take you to the next slide. And okay. and it really replicated the look and feel of an app. So you put it in the hands of people who fit your target market and they test it and I don't like this and I don't like that and what does that mean? Yeah. And you can you can just get a whole heap of information very quickly, sure. cheaply. It didn't cost us a cent. We had versions of it which had you know, like um, rewards programs in there to try to incentivize people along the way. Yep. It got to its uh, its true north very quickly. Okay. And it hasn't changed much since then. Yeah. But the initial concepts and prototypes were quite different, but they didn't last long because we got feedback, we listened, we changed. Okay. So from that very early stage, from the infancy of Longevity App, when you're talking about concepts, you're talking about prototypes, when mm. you're in that space, mm. What did you imagine success would look like? Ooh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I thought about big picture success at that point. I think I was very focused on maybe let's just get to the next step. Get it off Get the the next hurdle, Yeah. yeah, over the next hurdle. So where did, where do you feel like success actually started? 
Like were there points along the way where you thought, yep, now we're getting somewhere? Like was there, were there markers where you felt like it was gaining momentum and things were starting to come together in a way that would make mm. you feel like you were succeeding? No, I don't think I feel like I've succeeded yet. And I don't think, I think there's been some great validation. So mm. things like, you know, getting into the She Starts program. Yep. Um, when, you know, hundreds of people applied and us getting one of those 10 spots, that's really validating. Sure. That there is actually something in it. But um, I don't think that I've felt success yet. And, okay. and the reality is we're still not on the market. So everybody who's like listening and madly trying to download it on the app store probably won't find it yet, depending, yeah. uh, we're hoping to launch in a couple of months time. So uh, go to mylongevityapp.com and put your name on the wait list, but it's, we're not launched yet. Yeah. So I don't have a concept of whether that's, this could be a massive flop. Yeah. But maybe that will be one of the measures of success when we're launched. Yeah. You maybe, yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure I'll ever feel like it's been successful Okay. because I haven't felt that yet. So you were one of the cohorts, as you've mentioned, in the She Starts Tech Accelerator mm -hmm. program. How did being part of a program like that help you build your business? What were the practical things or the, mm -hmm. um, you know, the guidance or the support that mm -hmm. you feel changed your journey? Well, I think the first thing is that it forced me to commit and to focus on it. So none of this half day a week nonsense. It was, and, and they didn't actually specify, you must be working on this five days a week. But I just realized to give this the best shot that I can, you know, I've got to do this for as full time as possible. Yeah. Uh, so that was a huge asset. Um, and then I guess guiding you through, you know, as I mentioned, I've, I've, I've done my MBA, so I do have a, a fairly solid idea of what one needs to do in terms of, you know, marketing and financial modeling and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm not, um, this is the first time I've actually run my own business. Mm. So to just run you through all of those things that you need to think about in terms of um, a startup and managing tech teams, which I hadn't done before and, um, building brands and all of that. It's really helpful to get that kind of guidance and step-by-step -step, yeah. um, help and, and advice through people who have been there before yeah. and some really good connections to, to those within the industry. And So what were the biggest challenges in getting Longevity up, up and running and what, what kept you going through those challenges? What helped you through? For us being in fintech, it's the, the it's highly regulated, uh, and we are doing something slightly different to what has been done or is being done, and it was really hard for us to get an understanding of um, what we needed to do, because there are these things called financial services licenses that you need if you're a bank or a super fund or if you're giving advice, financial advice or whatever it might be. Yep. But we were sort of like, well, do we need one of those? Because we're not a bank, we're not a super fund, we're not actually taking people's money we and holding it for ourselves. You're we just help you them. move your money from yeah. A to B, A being your bank account, B being your super fund. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard, like as in a years long process to get advice around what do we need to do? Do we need a license? What kind of license do we need? And getting to the bottom of that, just that palaver yep. that takes a lot of time, it's a lot of money, it's very distracting. 
because instead of, for instance, you know, testing things with your customers and helping build your brand and your marketing and go-to-market strategies and all that kind of stuff, you're focused on red tape and regulation. Yeah. Um, and that, that's been a big challenge for us. I think we're on the other side of it now. Okay. Which is really good. That feels, that feels good. That is a success yeah. in well, my book. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I think we're going to come up with lots of successes here by <laughs> the end of There have been lots chat. of little moments of success, <laughs> yeah. but not one big, oh, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. we've done it. Yeah. Because we're, we're so far from doing it, it's not funny, but that definitely was a success, yeah. a moment of success. So, yeah, the, the, um, the barriers to entry in the fintech space, I think, has been the biggest challenge for okay. us. Okay. And is there anything that you would do differently now that you're sort of progressing through it, you're further along, do you look back and go, well, I wouldn't have done that? Or maybe, you know, if I was doing this again, I'd do this. Mm. It's a funny one because I wish that we had gotten to market sooner. Okay. Not for any huge reason other than that it just feels like a very long gestation period. Right. But when I think about it, I'm actually very happy that we haven't. Uh, and that we've taken our time because we've had to go against the standard advice that people in the startup space are given, which is, uh, you know, move fast and break things. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine what would have happened <laughs> if I try out this app? It's going to move money from your bank account into your super fund, yeah. uh, which you can't get back until you retire. Yeah. And and then something stuffed up or yeah. didn't work properly. Yeah, I'll tell you what would have happened. Jail terms. That's, 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 that's what would have happened. Then I'm, like, I'm not kidding. You're, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. So so giving t- for us taking that advice yeah. is is terrible advice to give. Yes. I had I've had someone you know very well uh, kind of renowned uh, startup advisors say why are you even worrying about getting your license just just go and just go and have a try and see what happens and see what they say <laughs> with whose oh, money <laughs> i will literally end up in jail yeah, you can't absolutely. you cannot do that and so i've had to run my own race yeah and filter that advice very judiciously mm. and as a result it's meant that we took a lot longer to to build the product to test the product and then get it out onto the market okay so sometimes i feel like uh, if i was do- if i was doing something differently maybe i could have pushed it a bit harder and got it out there faster and then i st- stop myself and check in with myself and say no yeah no you've done the right thing by taking your time and getting it right. Yeah, you needed to be the tortoise, not the hare. Yes. <laughs> yes, and we'll still win that race. Yeah, absolutely. What what makes it worthwhile on the tough days, on the days where you feel like you're, you know, pushing the mm. proverbial mm. uphill? Yeah. What makes it worthwhile for you as a founder? A, a couple of things. The first being that I feel like we're genuinely helping to solve a very big problem, mm. uh, particularly the, the plight of the, the financial insecurity that we see in a lot of, of women at the moment and the fact that, for instance, the, the fastest uh, growing group of homeless people are women over 50. Mm. And we just end up in this really dire situation. So knowing that longevity can actually help men and women mm. get out of that situation uh, as well as, um, you, know, ter- you know, hopefully building a, a commercially successful, viable company. What's the best business advice that you've been given on this journey? I think the, big, the best piece of advice was given to me at the very, very beginning, like way back in the, you know, here's our PowerPoint presentation yeah. type prototype. Yeah. And it was uh, to follow the true north. And trust your true north. 
okay. because you get, I've, and I've had to go back to that a lot because you get so much advice. Um, it's particularly in that startup space where everyone's a, a wannabe entrepreneur or has been an entrepreneur or whatever it might be and, and wants to put their two cents in. Yeah. And you've got to distill all of that and find something in that noise. And sometimes just saying, well, what's the true north? What's our true purpose? What are we trying to do here? Just helps you focus. Okay. And what's the best advice that you would give a potential startup founder? Okay, so the most <laughs> practical piece of advice is... Uh, when you're coming up with the name for your company, <laughs> check not only its domain name availability, okay. but check on IP Australia and the trademark search because it's both are really busy spaces. Yep. And often you kind of go, is that domain name available? Ah, yep, it is. But don't actually realise you need to trademark it and own that IP. And so that's actually something that we've had to navigate through uh, and, and it's more just something that no one ever mentioned to me. Like okay. no one ever said, check the trademark as well. Yep. Um, they all say, is the domain name available? Neither of which were <laughs> available, but we found <laughs> some good ways around it. But um, in some ways I sort of think, pick a, pick a business name, which is a nonsensical word and just yeah. go with that. Because <laughs> no one else will have no it No one's bought anywhere. it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so that's uh, something perhaps to just have in your mind. Yep. The best piece of philosophical advice I could offer would be to not just trust and back yourself that you know your business. For instance, if I had taken that move fast and break things and don't worry about getting an AFSL, just put it out there and see what happens. Mm. It's coming from people who don't have a clue about your business. They think sure. that they do. They don't have a clue. So you know your business probably better than anybody else because you live it, you breathe it. Um, don't be so blind that you don't take anybody's advice, but um, know that you know your business and you know your industry and you know what you're setting out to do mm -hmm. and and back yourself. Okay. Is there a point at which you can see yourself clocking off, so to speak, in terms of feeling like you've achieved everything that you want to achieve with Longevity App? Probably not. I can't see that I'll ever be satisfied. I, like, I guess maybe when I'm no longer involved in the business, maybe because you know I'm no longer the CEO or we've sold it or I don't know. I so can't self, imagine self, some form of self-sufficiency. Is that what you're talking about? Like the, the business just kind doesn't of need. Maybe along? just doesn't need me anymore. Okay. I don't know. I, I but I certainly don't see any point where I'll be like, I'm done. Okay. And the big question. Carla, okay. you sort of alluded to an answer before, but I'm going to ask you again. Right. Are you successful? Nelly. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a I'm, little bit. I, um, okay, so I have succeeded in the things that I'm trying to do in life. Uh, the business is succeeding in terms of where it is at now and where it's trying to go, and that that is a success in and of itself. But that big picture, big successful tech company, I don't think it's there yet. Okay. So yes and no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>